from Wyoming Public Media. This, 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 is, this is spoken. Spoken. Spoken words. Spoken words. This is spoken words. I'm Micah Schweitzer. Women's voices and queer voices and the voices of people of color are often erased. And I do see it as an important part of my work to resituate some queer voices in history and make sure that people know that queer people have always existed. This time we're hearing from Seattle author Katrina Carrasco. Her first novel is The Best Bad Things. It's historical fiction set amid the late 1800s smuggling rings of Port Townsend, Washington. It's a story featuring intriguing, complex characters, especially the main character, Alma. She's an ex-detective whose job is to go undercover and infiltrate one of those smuggling rings. Here's Katrina Carrasco introducing us to Alma in the first chapter of The Best Bad Things. Chapter 1, January 12th, 1887. Last time Alma wore this shirt, she ended up in jail. The cotton still carries a cell block tang of piss and mildew. Straw crackles on the sleeves. Ruddy blotches dot the shirt's collar. Tobacco juice? No. The fight that landed her in lockup comes back clear. Bone crush, jaw clench, freight train heart. The marks are blood. That was a damn good night. Next to the shirt is a pair of socks wadded into a bristling lump. Alma unknots the wool angles out a stub-nosed knife. When she tests it on her forearm, dark hairs gather on the blade like iron filings on a magnet. Pins nip her scalp as she pulls them free, an auburn wig comes loose. She drops it onto the cot, where it curls among other castaway layers. Oilcloth cape, green silk bodice, green silk skirt, lacy petticoat. A corset slumps gutted beside a sweat ring shift in cotton stockings. She chafes a damp rag across her cheeks, across her wrists and knuckles, stripping off a thick coat of cosmetic powder. Wearing only her own skin and hair, she is unbound, powerful. She can mold her form into any shape. But the nakedness also knocks her askew, kicks open an unlit pit. Who would stare back at her in a mirror when she has not arranged herself? Who is Alma when she stands naked and silent in a threadbare rented room? Leave that thought. Be glad there is no looking glass here. Be glad for the smash and racket of the couple next door, the distraction of their fighting or fucking. The noise is an impetus. Put on a new costume. A new performance has begun. To lacquer on manhood, Alma starts with the hands. Gentlemen wear rings. A working man wears calluses. He leaves dirty fingerprints on newspapers, drops peanut shells in his path. His nails may or may not be bitten. In winter, his knuckles crack with cold. She shakes open a sackcloth bundle. Inside is a warped metal pipe, slick with grease, caked with ash. A sailor sold it to her from a dockside box of scraps. He said its explosion unmade a boiler room and nearly sent it shipped to the bad place. Only faint smears of French chalk remain between her fingers. Gripping the pipe, she twists her hands in opposite directions. Twists, so the pipe's grease grits into her skin and its metal ridges rouse the nerves of her palms. Remember how to talk like Jack Camp. Rough voice, tobacco-muddied tongue. Grip, twist. Remember how to move like Jack Camp. Hips first, cocksure. Twist. Remember how to fight like Jack Camp. And at this, Alma smiles. This is her favorite thing. The red and sweat and swearing, the fire in her ribcage, the bend and crush of bodies, muscles contracting, sunbursts of pain, 
nothing but the pummeling, the wild onrushing of life. Katrina Carrasco has been researching and writing about the Pacific Northwest for the past six years. She learned about Port Townsend's colorful history while working on an entirely different project. So I started about six years ago with a book called Shanghaiing Days by Richard Dillon. And I'd actually picked it up because I was working on a project that was related to the gold rush in California in the 1850s. And Shanghaiing Days is kind of a compendium of nautical crime up and down the U.S. coasts um, in the late 1800s. And every chapter was so fascinating. And I actually used the book for subsequent projects where I researched something set in Astoria, Oregon um, in the 1890s. And that project ended up getting shelved like the Gold Rush project did. But there was a chapter a little bit on Port Townsend. um, And I'd moved nor further and further north. <laughs> I was in Portland at the time. And this tiny town uh, was a, a huge opium smuggling hub, it turned out. And kind of from the little window given by Dylan's book, I got intrigued and started researching more about Port Townsend specifically. And for such a small place, it has a very interesting and colorful past. Carrasco discovered another gem during her research, The Pinkerton Private Detective Agency was founded in the U.S. in 1850, and Carrasco learned that it very briefly included a women's bureau because the founder saw value in female spies. But when Alan Pinkerton died and his sons took over, they believed women had no place in men's business and dissolved the bureau, leaving a lot of highly trained, capable women without work. The historical record on this is slim, but Carrasco jumped on the opportunity. I thought it would be an interesting story to take one of those women and see what would happen if she'd gone underground and found work where she could find it um, on the less legal side of things. And getting the main character, Alma, up to Port Townsend really kind of tied in with the Pinkertons being involved in trying to stop other kinds of, of smuggling. And they were They mostly became known later on as strike breakers, but they were an agency that the government had turned to in the past to try and infiltrate these outlier groups like smugglers would have been seen. So I thought it would be a cool assignment for her to make her way up to the Pacific Northwest in a pretty rugged and not as populated area. So it kind of felt like the Wild West, but in a way that I don't think we've really seen It's not in the desert. It's up on these misty coves of of Port Townsend in Washington state. In Carrasco's view, fiction too often misses the mark depicting female and queer characters, something she seeks to correct in her own work. So it's very important to me to write fiction where women are allowed to live and not constantly be punished for their actions. Um, I feel like there's a pretty strong narrative in in art, in our culture, where uh, women get punished for nothing, or they behave badly and then get punished for that and learn the error of their ways. And uh, I really wanted to take a character who breaks rules and messes up and does things intentionally that are wrong and isn't thrown under the bus for it. It was important for me also to have positive depictions of sex workers, um, like Nell, uh, where usually in 
fiction in crime fiction, but also in general fiction and in movies, um, sex workers are disposable. They're murdered as plot gears and they're not even shown as people. So I wanted to make sure that the book was populated with human characters who weren't just there to be fodder for the plot, who had a lot of agency, who were smart and survivors and taking care of themselves and seeing things through. Um, it, was very important to me to have these kind of rounded, fully present female characters, including queer characters, because also queer characters are often used as bodies to be killed and then displayed to incite other people to act. So I wanted to take all of those kinds of characters and put them at the front and center as the, the acting, purposeful, vibrant, wonderful people that I came to love while writing the book. Her commitment to creating these kinds of characters comes from a respect for her audience, particularly for people who may not see themselves very often in available fiction. Well, I did write this really with with queer readers at heart. I'm queer, and I grew up not seeing tons of queer characters in fiction. When I did, they were murdered very quickly, or they were very sad, or it's just the, the constant kind of sad gay, dead gay trope that it's hard to keep absorbing that. I really wanted more space for queer characters, which was another big reason behind a lot of my character choices. So definitely I hope that the queer audience gets into this book. There's a ton in there about you know gender, fluidity, presenting in different ways, the questions of presentation, um, the questions of gender performance, and all of that gets kind of cerebral, and I, I hope it's in a package that's fun and easy to digest. But those topics are all very important to me, and I hope queer readers can pick up this book and see a bunch of different representations and a bunch of places where they can relate um, and be interested and engaged. Um, but in general, I mean, I hope there's something there for everyone and historical fiction lovers, will hopefully not be too scandalized. Uh, crime readers, I think, will enjoy it. And then I do see it kind of as a general fiction novel. So hopefully everyone will find something they love. Already at work on a second novel set in this same world, Katrina Carrasco continues to champion voices underrepresented in contemporary writing. Right now, more than ever, it's so important to have women's voices in fiction and really nuanced, complex portrayals of women's experiences currently, but also throughout history. I think women's voices and queer voices and the voices of people of color are often erased. And I do see it as an important part of my work to resituate some queer voices in history and make sure that people know that queer people have always existed. And also just, it's important for my work that as a woman, I am creating and speaking and out there. And I hope that people listen to more women and non-binary folks and continue to take our art and our voices as seriously as those of men. This episode was produced by Teo Basquiat. I'm Micah Schweitzer. Spoken Words is a collaboration between the University of Wyoming's MFA in Creative Writing program and Wyoming Public Media.